Hello, and welcome into the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU Pod. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, we'll be going over the weekend series for the LSU baseball team as they took on the visiting Ole Miss Rebels at Alec Box Stadium. I will give you what the three big things were from this series. How did I do on the get right, stay right list? And then finally, what lies ahead this week for your Tigers? So thank you for tuning in. If you're listening in on audio for the first time, the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU pod is available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other audio platforms. If you are viewing this on the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU pod YouTube channel, please make sure to subscribe to the channel, hit the like button, comment, and hit that notifications bell as well. And on Twitter, the account is at 60FT6INLSUPod. Make sure to follow the Twitter account, set your notifications, and interact with me as well. I want to thank, as always, I want to thank everybody for the likes, retweets, comments, and interaction during and after the games and after the preview and review series pod is very much appreciated. Okay, guys, let's get into this. Um, not a good weekend at all for the LSU baseball program as they get swept at home by the Ole Miss Rebels. That is the first time Ole Miss has ever swept LSU in Baton Rouge. They lost, they lost Friday slash Saturday morning. 5-3 to three in the rain-suspended game. They lost 11-1 on Saturday, which I was there for. And then they fell 8-5 to five on Sunday. That puts LSU at 33-18 on the year. They are 14-13 in conference play, which currently puts them in the fourth place in the SEC West behind A&M is above Arkansas now. So A&M, Arkansas with the tiebreaker, then Auburn, then LSU. Currently, the RPI took a huge hit for LSU this weekend. LSU's RPI sits at 37. They dropped 20 spots over the weekend, which is tough to stomach if you're an LSU fan. But a uh, small silver lining is that Vandy took the series from Arkansas, and they currently have an RPI of three. And as we all know, LSU's last SEC series of the weekend is Thursday, Friday, Saturday in Nashville versus Vanderbilt. So a chance to make up a lot of ground in that RPI if they go up there and take care of business. So let's get right into it. Let's just get into the ugliness of the weekend for LSU. Friday night, the game started. They played three innings before the rain and the lightning came, and that game got suspended, and they pushed it to an 11 o'clock Saturday a.m. start time with game two to follow 50 minutes later. LSU loses. I'm just going to refer to it as a Friday night game. LSU loses a Friday night game 5-3. And as we discussed on the preview pod, this is going to be a very uh, good pitching matchup with LSU having Hilliard going versus Ole Miss and um, their ace, Dylan DeLucia, is going, and he'd been throwing very well as of late. And it looked early on, um, before the rains came, that that pitching matchup was going to live up to its billing. You know, LSU starts off fast with a two-run home run from Cruz in the first, and Hilliard's doing okay, but one inning later in the top of the second, Everything changed for LSU. He gets two outs, then all of a sudden he gets a bloop double from McCants. And then he goes strike one, strike two. Then he throws strike three, which is a nasty curveball. McManus cannot come up with the block. The ball rolls all the way to the backstop, allowing the um, left-handed hitter to advance to first. So you're looking at first and third with two outs. And I, and I thought 
I think I'm – I don't want to be too reactionary and blow this out of proportion, but it felt like, one, the inning change right there. And if you could look back, you wonder, did the series change in that instant? And that, that might be a little far-fetched, but you could feel something happen. But LSU still had a chance, and Hilliard still had a chance to get out of this inning with no damage done. You got first and third. You got two outs. He goes 3-2 walk, and – then he goes two-out single up the middle, drops in two runs, another 3-2 walk, then another two-out single, drops in two runs, and before you know it, LSU's down 4-2. to The problem I have with that inning, and we've seen it lately, <clears throat> is that pitching coach Jason Kelly falls in love with the curveball. And I thought Chris Burke, who was on the SEC broadcast, did a great job, and he even noticed it, but I counted about 10 curveballs in a row. And to me, that's been the problem with Hilliard the last two outings. And in this outing, you've seen him struggle, and he's been able to work himself out of some trouble lately. But whether, he, whether or not he has the ability to shake or whether or not, and if he does, does he not choose to shake? But he just falls in love with the curveball, and he really has a hard time putting hitters away. I mean, the curveball is very good, but if you're a hitter and you've seen it four times and won at bat, and you know it's coming again, eventually if he hangs it, or he bounces it, you have the ability to hit it or lay off of it. And if it's 3-2 and you've seen it's five previous pitches and maybe you've even fouled one off, and you know you're just going to sit on it, that makes it harder for him to get people out. And here's another thing too. When you don't throw fastballs and you don't trust your fastball, you don't, you, it's tough to control it. So when he does throw it and he misses it in the zone, Either him or the pitching coach just says, oh, screw it. We're just going to ditch the fastball and stick with the curveball. So it's just kind of like a vicious cycle, right? You don't throw any fastballs. When you didn't throw it, you miss. So you kind of reinforce what you already thought was the problem. It's like, oh, we're just going to go back to the curveball. And if, it's a, if you're a starter and you can't command your fastball and you throw a curveball 60 set or some type of breaking ball 60 to 7% of the time and scout reports are out there, I just think that's a huge problem moving forward. And I have no idea why the pitch coach just seems to fall in love with it. And it's just an extreme. It's just all the way on the, uh, that side of the spectrum for me. And um, I have no insight, but I just think that's a problem moving forward. You have to be able to show a fastball for a strike. And even if you're not going to get people out with it, you have to show it You have to show it in that bat or throughout your outing. But if you're 70% breaking balls, to me that's just – and you're a starter – that's just not a long-term recipe for success. I just can't see that really turning around. Now that the book is out on Hilliard and people know what to expect, you can almost just say, look, just sit on a breaking ball because even if he throws two fastballs for a strike, you're going to get a breaking ball at some point and multiple ones at that. I, I don't know. I just, I just question that a lot of times with his, with his um, starts lately. So, um, The game gets suspended. LSU's down 4-2. And uh, Bianco rolls the dice, right? And he brings Delucia back out on Saturday morning. And to me, I thought he was taking a chance. But Delucia comes out and absolutely deals. And he finds his mojo. And LSU had no answer for him. And they really had no real threat. Um, The game's 4-2. Ty Floyd starts for LSU. Um, LSU scratches a run late in the game with uh, Thompson solo home run. LSU only had three hits in the game overall in the Friday-slash-Saturday game. And two of those hits were home runs from Cruz and Thompson. And LSU had no answer for Delucia. They didn't do anything when they came back out on Saturday morning. There was no fight. There was no adjustments made. And he just basically shoved. And he dealt. And he was everything that a lot of people thought he was going to be. And he made it very tough for LSU to get anything going. 
The only bright spot for me on the Friday slash Saturday game was Ty Floyd. So Ty Floyd started the game for LSU on Saturday, and I thought he threw great. He went six innings pitch, two hits, and only one run allowed. And I thought it was huge. He showed to me. He showed the coaching staff he can pitch in the SEC. I would pencil him in as a game two starter, but I don't get paid the big bucks to make that decision. And I thought he was very impressive. And once again, that's back-to-back outings in the SEC where he's shown that he can get people out, building off the outing he had at Alabama. And maybe he's your answer as the game two starter. And that's what I would do moving forward. And he's shown that he can go deep. I mean, he just gave you six against a good Ole Miss team who battered LSU's pitching all week. And for him to only give up two hits in that spot, that was massive. So he really matched Delusia, gave LSU a chance to come back, but... Nothing was going for LSU for the, we're just going to call it the Friday night game, as they lose 5-3. to three. And um, we're just hoping Mikhail Hilliard is able to find that mojo moving forward because he's absolutely key to LSU's success in the Vandy series and in the SEC tournament and whatever regional spot they land in moving forward. So moving on to game two of Saturday, I was at this game and it was ugly from the get-go. LSU gets hammered 11-1. to one, And... Um, I mean, the park to me, was it was pretty dead. It was a weird situation because the game had to get moved up. You didn't know when it was going to start. And you just felt like after the third or fourth inning that there was no way LSU was going to come back. They struggled versus the freshman left-handed pitcher for Ole Miss, Hunter Elliott. And he had a very good line score, but I thought he gave LSU chances throughout the game to get back in it. He was, um, as my buddy Doug Thompson referred to on, on the radio, he was effectively wild to where he would give LSU shots during at bats or during innings to kind of break things open, but they just never could put it together. And lo and behold, I think he went like seven innings, nine Ks. So he just followed up his good outing with uh, at Missouri against a dominant outing against LSU. And when you look at the stats, LSU offered zero at the plate. You know, it had five hits and two guys had five hits. Dugas and Morgan. They had three hits and two hits between them. And to me, they just, they didn't grab the momentum early in that game, and once Ole Miss started piling on, LSU just kind of said, ah, screw it, we're done. It was, so it was just disappointing. Disappointing to see that at the, at the park and to feel that throughout the atmosphere as I walked around the stadium. And uh, Ole Miss just kept swinging the sticks. They never let up. They just kept pounding LSU's pitchers. And it just kind of started right off the bat, right? So Fontenot gets the start. To me, that was an interesting choice. I thought it may be money. Um, or who knows? But Fontenot gets the start. And he gets two cookouts, and just like that, boom, he gives up a solo home run to right, and then another solo home to right. Elko smokes a line drive in the three-hole, and then I think Graham comes up and belts one to right center. And just like that, LSU's down 2 nothing. Cooper comes in for um, Fontenot in the second and gives up a home run as well. Taylor comes in, and then Money comes in in the fifth. And at this point, it's really not out of reach yet. It's five to nothing, which sounds terrible, but it's not out of reach because, like I said, Elliot's kind of he shows you signs where he can get really wild and walk one or two guys, and then he kind of works his way out of it. So he's just kind of on that tightrope right there. Five nothing. Money comes in to face Elko, and you figure this is going to go one way or the other, right? Good or bad. And lo and behold, Money makes a great pitch to get Elko to ground the ball up to Doty. And LSU's defense just rears his ugly head. I mean, it's just a tailor-made 4-6-3 double play to get LSU out of the inning, but the ball rolls through Doty's legs, a collective groan throughout Alex Box Stadium. He boots it, and all of a sudden, you know, the Tigers are in trouble. They score a couple more runs, and I'm not going to go through the rest of the game. 
But you felt in the park at that time that it was pretty much done at that point. And they go on to lose 11-1. to So I'm not going to rehash that. They had a ton of relievers come in after that. <clears throat> Money does end up going three innings that game. And you just felt like at that point they'd already lost the series. But what were they going to show on Sunday? If they could, if they could win the Sunday game and kind of salvage the series, then it, everything's not lost per se. And I had some DMs with another baseball guy here in town, and I told him like, "Look, when I when I woke up on Saturday, I knew I was going to the game on Saturday, game two, but I felt like if they could somehow turn game one around, um, figure out a way to get Delusia out of the game." and then grab the momentum in game two, it would just be huge for this team. But I just, I, when I woke up Saturday, I didn't feel good about anything. You know, I really felt like, and I was like, well, maybe I'm overreacting. I felt, not that LSU's season was on the line, but I felt like if they lost what game one, they were probably going to lose game two. So they were going to lose a series, and, and that was just going to um, turn things a little ugly for the weekend. So Sunday... I like the matchup, as I talked about in the preview pod, versus Diamond. He had like a 6 or a 7 ERA coming in. The LSU had really, I mean, excuse me, the SEC had really battered him around this year <clears throat> with his high ERA and his high batting average against, and I really thought the LSU bats were going to come alive. And I figured Dutton was going to start. <laughs> I mean, I guess you can call Dutton that outing a start. Just uh, I know I said last week I was going to trust Jay Johnson, and I continue to trust him. I think he's the right man for the job, but it's just a weird situation, right? And I felt like this game was a must win for LSU. And while that may be an overreaction or kind of a uh, prisoner of the moment situation, I just know what lies ahead and felt like LSU really needed to get back on track and get this game on Sunday. But then right off the bat, <clears throat> Dutton's first pitch of the game gets smoked for a double in the left center field gap. Dugas runs into the fence. Subsequently, he gets hurt and gets pulled out of the game. He doesn't even record that bat on the day as Stevenson comes in for him. But Dutton throws one pitch and gets pulled. And I've never seen that from a starter. And I've seen it from relievers, and that's happened to me. I've thrown one pitch, given up a bomb, and gotten pulled. But it was just so odd. And I thought Ronnie Rance did a great job of explaining to everybody who was not at the park that obviously Hasty was in the pen and he was ready to roll. And I've seen subsequent comments by Jay Johnson saying that it was a matchup thing with Ole Miss starting five lefties, I believe. So why not just start Hasty? <clears throat> So you're going to tell me, I mean, what happens if Dutton gets benched, the first hitter out? Then are you going to bring Hasty in no matter what to face Gonzalez? Then you got Elko, and then Graham's a lefty. I I don't know. If he's going (laughs) to, if you're like, no matter what, if he gets him out or he gets a hit or gets a walk that he's coming out, then just let Hasty start the game. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there, but that's the way he chose to play it. So Hasty comes right into the game, and um, Dutton obviously wasn't very happy. I don't know if you saw his body. For those of you who didn't see his body language, as soon as Jay Johnson made the mound visit, he's shaking his head, and he's pissed, and I can't blame him. Anybody who's a competitor wants to stay in that game. I mean, hell, you only threw one pitch. You know, you didn't have a chance to get comfortable. So Hasty comes in relief of Dutton. I, I guess he's a relief. I don't know. He comes in, gives up a run, then he gives up two more in the second. But then after that, he did well, I thought. I thought he held Ole Miss at bay and allowed LSU to get back into the game. He left after four complete with the score tied 4-4. to LSU fights his way back against Diamond. They get a two-run um, bomb from Pearson. Morgan hits a solo shot excuse me, to tie the score up. And um, I believe it's 3-3 at that point. 
And then Razelman comes in and he just gets hit hard. He comes in in the fifth and he gives up two two run bombs to make it seven to three Ole Miss. And as an LSU fan, you're like, God, we just we just can't catch a break this weekend. Every time we pull even, those guys pull ahead. It's almost like we can't get out of our own way. And especially against our pin, who've been throwing well, and Razelman have been throwing well. LSU scratches a run back to get it to seven to four. You see Gervais come in. Um in the sixth, I believe, and he's throwing pretty well, which is very early, but I understand what Coach Johnson's doing. He's got to win this game at all costs, so he's pulling out all the stops. Gervais comes in. His mechanics are all over, but he kind of finds a way to get out of it, and he throws pretty well. Uh, Cooper comes in to relieve him, who gives up another run. LSU misses an opportunity in the bottom of the sixth with bases loaded and two outs. Ole Miss makes a pitching change. So Cranford's up. They bring in a lefty, and I have no problem with Cranford going after the first pitch. But if you're going to go after the first pitch, you better not be late. You better get, I mean, if you're going to hit it, you better pull that damn thing, hit the third base coach in the head, pull the thing into the left field bleachers, do something. But you can't be late and pop up to the first baseman right there in that spot. I just, I don't mind the aggressiveness, but man, if you're going to be aggressive, be on time. Because if, if anything, if you're not sure you're going to be late, just let it go. But pop up to the first baseman Elko I believe and that ends the threat bases loaded with two outs McManus hits a solo home run and um that's really it for LSU you know they don't really score much after that at all you know LSU uh, Ole Miss brings in their closer and he slams the door LSU loses the game eight to five and they get swept so not a good feeling if you're watching that game or you're walking out the park or if you're a player or anybody connected with the program you're basically shaking your head and you're like what the hell just happened to get swept, but nonetheless get swept on our own field and to get swept on senior weekend and senior day is, does not leave a good taste in your mouth. Okay, so what are some of the gold-plated money stats from the weekend? Here we go. Just a complete contradiction to what happened last weekend in Alabama, really. So LSU scored nine runs on the weekend, and seven came by way of the home run. So 78% of the runs LSU scored were by way of the long ball. We mentioned it before in previous pods, but to me, this is just not a long-term recipe for success. This is not gorilla ball. They're not going to hit 188 home runs on the team. They don't have Brandon Larson who's going to hit 40. I mean, they're not even Tennessee where they're going to hit 125 or whatever they're going to hit. But if you live and die by the home run with this team, to me, you're going to end up dying. You're going to die on that hill. They have to figure out a way to string more hits together. So 78% of the runs came by way of home run. And we all know Ole Miss had a lot of home runs this weekend. So on the flip side, Ole Miss scored 11 of their 24 runs this weekend by way of the bomb. So that was only 46%. So they hit a lot and they scored a lot of runs by way of home run. But they also found ways to string hits together to get two out hits and just something LSU was not able to accomplish this weekend. So LSU was outstanding Last week, getting big hits and scoring runs with two outs. In fact, 66% of the runs they scored versus Alabama came with two outs. But this weekend, nada. Goose egg. Zero. LSU did not score one run with two outs. Just a rough weekend all around for the bats. On the other hand, Ole Miss scored 54% of their runs with two outs. So LSU's pitchers just couldn't make a pitch or we couldn't make a play to get out of the inning with two outs. In the last two gold-plated money stats of the weekend, LSU struck out 43% of the time this weekend. And that was the exact same figure 
that they struck out last weekend versus Alabama to a T. So back-to-back weekends, striking out 35 times. And finally, LSU hit a cool 200 on the weekend as a team. So easy math for your boy right here. 20 hits and 100 at-bats. That's not going to get it done against anybody. I don't care if you play in the SWAC, Division II, Division III, NAIA, Pac-12, Group of Five, Sun Belt, Fun Belt, whatever. You hit 200 on the weekend, unless your pitchers are throwing up absolute zeros, it's not going to get it done. So a rough weekend at the plate for the Tigers. Whew. All right, get right, stay right list. I think on the preview pod I said get right, feel right. I don't know if anybody caught that. I re-listened to it and I was like, what am I talking about? All right, get right, stay right list. How did I do? Not a good weekend for your boy here. Lots of misses. So on the get right, I had Hilliard. And we've discussed how the last two starts have been not typical. Mikhail Hilliard, not what we were used to expecting from the Friday night guy. And he's really struggled with putting hitters away and driving up his pitch count. And this week was no different. I believe before the rains came and the game got suspended, he would have had 60 pitches through three innings. So once again, he was well on his way to driving up his pitch count as he's done the previous two weekends. And we've talked about his struggles with commanding the fastball. No need to rehash that. So to me, that was a miss. Mikhail Hilliard did not get right. I also had Doty, K. Doty on the weekend. And he definitely did not get right. So once again, a miss by myself. So he continues to really struggle. And LSU has to have him moving forward in some form or fashion, especially with the unknown of the Jacob Berry injury with regards to, we don't know if he's going to be back this weekend for Vandy, if they're just going to hold him out for Vandy in the SEC tournament and have him ready to roll for the regional. But K. Doty was a 0 for 11, a big goose egg this weekend. So in the last 11 games, Doty is hitting 7 for 46. I'll do the math for you. That's 152. I mean, we even saw him try and drag bunt with a runner on first and one out today. So to me, that it was unsuccessful. He bunted it right back to the pitcher. But I don't know if this, that's just a way to try to get himself going or, or, or that came from the coach or what he was thinking. But, I mean, when you're in a four-hole, I don't want to see you drag bunting with a man on first. Just take your chances, right? But hitting 152 in his last 11 games, just, that's just not going to get it done at all. And I was there on Saturday, as I mentioned, and to me, he was just out in front of everything. He hit into a couple ground ball uh, double plays, I believe, and he just didn't have good swings on the pitches. And it's tough to see when you're in your stadium as opposed to on TV where those pitches are, but um, you could just tell it wasn't, he didn't barrel anything up on Saturday. Everything he hit was capped. So Doty, a miss. He did not get right this weekend. Stay right. Remember, I had two hitters on the list for stay right. I had Dugas and I had McManus. So Dugas only played in the Friday and Saturday games. As he was in the starting lineup, as I mentioned, for Sunday, but he ran to the wall in the first inning, so he didn't even get an A-B. So we just hope he's okay moving forward. I have not heard if he's injured or that was just precautionary. But on Friday, Dugas went 0 for 4 with 3 Ks, so not great. But he came back strong on Saturday in Game 2. He went 3 for 5 with a double, and he had 3 of the 5 hits for the team. So basically him and Morgan were the only people that had hits for LSU in the Saturday game. But... Due to him not playing on Sunday, even though he was in the lineup, I'm going to call it a push. He didn't get right. He didn't stay right. He didn't do anything. Um, you know, he went three for nine on the weekend, which isn't bad, but I feel like just a, didn't have a, uh, uh, a full book of him hitting this weekend, so we're going to call it a push for Dugas. McManus was the other hitter I had on the stay right list, and I'm going to call this a miss. 
He was two for ten on the weekend with a solo home run and a couple of Ks, and um, just wasn't consistent all weekend. The other guy I hit on the stay right, I had on the stay right list was Jacob Hasty, and he's been throwing great as a lefty out the pin, the long hand, the long middle relief lefty out of the pin, taking some pressure off of Cooper down there, and I thought he threw pretty well, and he was basically the starter for the Sunday game with Dutton only throwing one pitch. He gave up a couple runs, which we hadn't seen yet from him, but he did settle down and allow LSU to get back in the game and tie it. So he left the game. It was 3-3 three to three after four complete. So I'm going to call that a win. He did his job. He, he settled down. He kept Ole Miss at bay. He gave up three runs in the first and the second, but then he threw two uh, zeros up back after that. And I'm going to call this a win. So I'm going to say Hasty stayed right. So overall, I did not do good on the get right, stay right list for the Tigers this weekend. I missed on Hilliard and Doty. Dugas was a push. I missed on McManus, but I got hasty right. So, starting to wrap this thing up here. What are the three big things we learned from this weekend? Now, I went back and forth on this. I wrote down a ton of notes. I was pretty emotional when I wrote down the notes. But I'm recording this seven hour, several hours later, so I've had a chance to kind of just relax, calm down, step away from the ledge there. So the first thing I learned... LSU's deficiencies were on full display this weekend for everybody to see. You know, they didn't play well in one phase of the game. They didn't pitch it good. They didn't hit it good. And they definitely didn't play defense well. And they were bad this weekend. And Ole Miss is definitely trending up. I believe they've won seven games in a row for them, six in a row in the SEC with a win against nationally ranked Southern Miss on Wednesday this past week. But back to LSU, it seems like the things we've discussed on the pod that have given me concern. They really reared their ugly head this weekend. But in the end, I do not think LSU is as bad as they played this weekend. I think this is kind of LSU at their worst. And it almost reverted back to early season LSU, and you really hadn't seen that. But this weekend was bad. And I just don't think LSU really has enough firepower in one area, whether it be pitching or hitting, to overcome bad games versus a quality opponent. So they can't have a game where they have you know bad pitching and bad defense because they just don't hit well enough throughout the lineup to me to where they can really overcome that. I, I just don't see them winning a 12-10 to 10 type of ball game. And the lack of a game two or three starting pitching continues to rear its head, putting more stress on the bullpen. And LSU can hit home runs. We all know that. But, I mean, can they click as a lineup throughout the entire lineup? And it, it's, it's happened this year, but it's been rare. And I just don't think they string together enough good ABs throughout the games or throughout the weekend. And I, unfortunately, I think they may come back to haunt them come regional time. So the first thing was LSU's display deficiencies were on full display, but I'm, I'm, you know, I don't think they're as bad as they really showed this weekend. And plus, some of it had to do with Ole Miss, right? Ole Miss is on absolute fire right now. Remember, they were ranked number one in the country for a while, and they're starting to play like that. And also upon that point, um, if you go back to my keys to the weekend for the preview pod, it was to win on Friday, and they had their chances, but Delucia was just too good. One batting really killed LSU. But the other thing, though, they did really well. Even though they had a lot of deficiencies this weekend, they didn't play great. They didn't let the big four of Ole Miss really beat them. Now, those guys kind of showed up at inopportune times and had some good at-bats, but if you look at Bench, Gonzalez, Elko, and uh, Alderman, None of those guys had over three hits all weekend, but the guy that kind of killed you was Graham, and Graham went off this weekend, but you know, Elko and Alderman and Bench, they all had their moments, right? They all hit home runs at inopportune times, 
but they just they didn't go nuts. You know, they went like three for thirteen or two for thirteen, but that those two hits may have been two solo bombs. So they all showed up just in, in different ways. So all right, what's the second thing I learned this weekend? In the absence of Jacob Berry and possibly Gavin Dugas, somebody or some people have to step up the rest of the year. Bottom line. It can't always just be Cruz and Pearson or Cruz and Morgan or Cruz and McManus at times or Pearson McManus. I mean, you got to imagine Pearson and, Mc- and Cruz are going to stay pretty consistent. They've showed that. But LSU needs Doty to figure it out. They need Joe Bear to try to figure it out. I mean, his batting average is absolutely plummeting. Thompson shows flashes. Stevenson is scuffling right now. And I don't know who's going to play third moving forward. And if it's Cranford, we all know he's not in there for his offense, even though he did have a triple today. So one person can't replace Jacob Berry, in my opinion. So it has to be a group effort. Or you're just going to see Cruz get pitched around. And LSU struggles to manufacture runs anyway, as we discussed, with their reliance on the home run. And if you can't manufacture runs via bunting or stealing or hit and running, then it's going to be tough to rely on the home run to score. And I'm just thinking down the road. I'm, I'm not necessarily thinking. Vanderbilt is first and foremost. But I'm thinking about a regional, whether or not you host or not. At some point, you're going to have to come up against another team's dude. And if you're just relying on the home run and you got three or you got four or five guys in that lineup that are struggling, it's just going to be tough. So the second thing I learned, somebody else has got to step up in the absence of Barry. And it's got to probably be several people. And it don't have to be all the time. It just has to be more consistent to what it is now. And the third thing I learned from the weekend, I'm concerned about LSU moving forward. Now, I'm not in full panic mode, and the sky is not falling yet. And maybe this weekend is just a one-off. But for this to happen at home on senior weekend with so much at stake, LSU had everything to play for. You know, people almost penciled them in as a regional host, and some people were talking about how they finished these last two series as a possible top eight national seed. But for them to not rise up to this challenge or even offer up a fight in a couple of innings or a couple of games to me is, is very troubling. And you look ahead to Vanderbilt, who just took the series from Arkansas, and that's going to be a very tough series. And I know that this team, LSU, plays better on the road, and I haven't dug into Vanderbilt yet, but I, I just, even at the beginning, when I started doing this podcast, I didn't like that series to end up the year. And, and to me, it's, it's even more troublesome. So if you had to ask me today and you say, Chris, you have to give an answer, I don't think LSU will host a regional at this moment. But look, maybe Barry comes back for the SEC tournament. Maybe Dugas is good to go. And maybe you find a game two starter and Hilliard finds his mojo and he gets back in that groove again. But it, to me, it's all a maybe right now. Look, let, like, let's play this out. If they drop two out of three to Vanderbilt, they're 15 and 15 going to the SEC tournament. And they just, they've, that means they would have lost their last five of six SEC games. And I'm sure their RPI would just continue to plummet. So if you're 15 and 15 going into the SEC tournament, you're going to have to make a very deep run, possibly win it just to host a regional, in my opinion. Now, I'm not a big numbers guy, and I don't, I don't know what other teams are doing. I just don't really pay attention to them. But if you don't make a deep run, then you're going to look at being a, a two seed at some ACC school, probably Virginia Tech or Miami or Louisville or Oklahoma State. And um, I think everybody would rather have a regional at the box as opposed to traveling. 
So to me, this team needs to take a long look in the mirror and say, look, that's not us. I don't know what the hell happened this past weekend, but we need to flush it and move forward. And they just got to get in that bunker or that foxhole mentality to me, where it's them against the world, play with a huge chip on their shoulder. You know, you hear a lot of times in football, you play with that dog mentality. I think you can play like that in baseball. And they just think it's just them against the world right now. Look, school's over. It's just baseball for these guys. They're going to spend a lot of time around each other. At least I hope they do. And um, have a team meeting, get together and say, look, Ole Miss has passed us. Let's move forward and let's do some damage in Vanderbilt. And uh, let's show everybody LSU's still here and they can't forget about us. So as fans and media personalities and whoever, you're going to see what LSU's made of real quick. Tuesday, you know, Tuesday, let's talk about what they have lying ahead. Tuesday, they play Northwestern State. I'm sure they'll roll over those guys. And then the SEC, last SEC series of the year, LSU travels to Nashville to take on Vanderbilt. And everybody in SEC plays Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Because then they have the SEC tournament. I believe it starts Tuesday. If you're not a top four seed, I believe you play a single elimination game on Tuesday um, to get to, into the double elimination format starting on Wednesday. So LSU still has a lot to play for. They still have everything. They still control their own destins, destiny, in my opinion. But, um, you know, the last thing I learned was I am a little bit concerned moving forward. So not time to push a panic button, not yet, but um, it's not time to say, oh, they'll be okay. Like you got to address some issues and you got to have those talks and a team meeting and say, look, we're just going to get ready to roll these last couple weekends and uh, us against the world, baby. So that'll do it for this week's Ole Miss vs. LSU series review on the 60 feet, six inches LSU pod. Please make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, like comment and hit that notifications bell. Make sure to check out the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other audio platforms. And be sure to follow and interact with me on the Twitter account. The Twitter is at 60FT6INLSUPOD. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the review pod. And quick turnaround as LSU travels to Vanderbilt. So can't wait to dig into Vanderbilt. And I will see y'all on the LSU versus Vanderbilt 60 feet, 6 inches LSU pod preview. Until then, y'all stay safe. Thanks for the supporting the pod. I appreciate y'all. Take care.